This week on the Catching Up Podcast with Connor and Nick, we're talking about Founders Live Portland winners Tally and their Alexa time tracking skill. 23andMe partnered with the World Cup. That could be the most genius marketing thing I've ever seen. This week, clout was shut down. What's the importance of your social credit score? And lastly, we talk about an article about the importance of showing up in person and how the persistence of a successful founder can lead to raising more money. Thanks for listening to the show this week. Enjoy. Yo, good morning, Nick. Happy uh, Saturday. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. How are you, Connor? I cannot complain. I am like looking out the window right now and seeing that it's supposed to be like 80 degrees today, and I am just so excited. <laughs> yeah. How was your How was your week? Uh, what What did you get accomplished this week? Yeah, I my week was great. I actually went. I was down in um, Portland on Thursday. We had a Founders Live event in Portland, so we'll we'll talk about that in a second. But um, man, I and I'm also like we're completing a deal that we will announce here soon. But just working through like some legal documents and agreements and. Um, you know, all that fine tooth comb stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's exciting though. Deals are always, is. always big news. Um, and kind yeah. of like getting caught in some of the details of that, uh, can be strenuous, but it's, it's kind of worth the journey of going through that. Uh, if yeah. deals are going to get done. Awesome. Um, well, Hey, let's, uh, let's start the show and talk about founders life Portland since it's kind of probably fresh on your mind. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Great event. Uh, had some really cool companies that pitched, uh, the winner, is uh, called Tally, and Tally is basically, I think that's kind of a cool name, but I mean, it's it's pretty much automated timekeeping utilizing voice with uh, Alexa. And with so, Alexa, okay. Yeah, so, you know, pretty much, so they say hands-free track, time tracking, no more interruptions to your flow, let Tally log all your activities effortlessly with voice. And it really just like, you know, they're, they're definitely building towards that, like time efficiency rather, you know, when you're time tracking, depending on what industry you're in, a lot of times legal accounting, you know, finance, you know, anyone doing more service work, they are time tracking a lot. Right. And so basically what Tally's putting out there is these voice enabled applications running on um, through Alexa and others that are, are simply you know, they're able to automatically and instantly with voice start tracking time and keeping track of that, using intelligence around that. Um, it was really, really interesting. And so I think my question is like, shoot, man, how far does this go? And uh, is Alexa and Amazon taking over everything? And how do you feel about that? Well, first off, like, I love this. This is what I think is going to be the future. Um, mm-hmm. And so... Uh, I think the company I was looking on their website, Three Mats. It looks like it's run by three guys named Matt, <laughs> yeah. I assume, yeah. uh, which yeah. is a genius company name. Uh, I, I love that from the get-go. The, the, just their website. Anyone who's listening to this, go check it out. 
uh, tell tally. So T E L L T A L I.com. Um, and their yeah. website's just hilarious. They've got this little like beaver, which since they're from Oregon, I wonder if they're from Oregon state, but they're from the beaver state. And they've got yep. this like little beaver mascot. Who's just adorable. Um, their website's really well designed. And then it's three mats, uh, which is just genius. But, uh, to the point with the technology, like I just voice is very quickly going to be here on the forefront. Um, and I think anyone who is working on something that's voice related, especially around productivity, is are good people to know right now because I really think there's going to be this whole industry around voice. I mean, I interact with my Alexa every single day. I wake up in the mm-hmm. morning and uh, first thing I say is good morning to her. She gives me like a fact of the day and then I say, tell me the news. And I kind of have a roster of news company like ESPN and, and NPR. I have a Gary V quote in there. Um, and it, and she kind of just like starts my morning off every morning and then gives me the weather while I'm getting ready. And so I've already seen how much I interact with it. This is interesting. I think it's the beginning of that. Um, it's more just about like, I'm, I'm what is it saving? Right. Is, is it, it, it probably is, right? Like, hey, Tally, like, I'm working right now. Like, tally it up. And so I'm curious to know. I got to dive in a little bit more about, like, how do you break that up into certain tasks? Um, and since I kind of come from a freelance background, how, how do you say I'm working on Project A versus I'm working on Project B and, right. and keep track with that? But I think it's super interesting. Um, and, and these guys are definitely ahead of the curve as far as, as where the future is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. The pitch touched on that a little bit. And, you know, I, to me, I just, I see the kernel of the, the kernel of the vision, which is, you know, this is all it's, it's voice enabled, it's intelligent, it's the ability to use some, you know, AI around this. And I think what you just pointed to, they're, they're going to improve and innovate around so that it becomes almost easier. Uh, But yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, Speaking of, future speaking of um you know utilizing this data and intelligence um man i'm 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 actually really glad that you put this on the list which is the whole china social credit score and all the stuff that's happening over in in china and maybe you can give a little background on you know what exactly is going on and i guess you know what your question was going to be yeah so i kind of got like lost in the internet loophole getting into this so it all started with uh this week uh we found out that clout which was really famous um like 2013 um was going to get shut down and in 2014 clout got bought for 200 million dollars for those of you who don't know what clout is it was pretty much an aggregation of your total social impact score um and so i saw that was closing down and was just like oh like a, I haven't really heard about it since 2014, um, but it definitely like had its year where it was really popular and people were asking you what your class score was. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just the very beginning about like, what is your impact in this rating of kind of your internet brand and your personality and all these things. And it kind of made it tangible. And so I started just like going into other things. And um, I saw this article also on Vice, but I, I posted a thing from The Verge, and it's about how China will ban people with poor social credit from planes and trains. Um, so pretty much they're creating a social credit system that the Chinese government can rate its citizens based off uh, financial misdeeds, criminal behavior. Um, and when you get a low score, 
you can be affected in your daily life. And that's just crazy. And so China obviously is a communist country. Um, there's so much more control and influence there from top down compared to here. Um, but Nick, I just kind of want to know, like, what is your opinion of this? And, and is it is it scary? Is it exciting? Do you think it's terrible? Like, and and also kind of where we started, did you ever use clout? <laughs> so I did. I, I used clout. I mean, I was there was a while there where I was curious what my score was, but um, I did quote use clout, um, but in terms of, I connected my social accounts to it. And I felt like, look, I felt like clout was this like very non-threatening kind of cute way to quantify some of this stuff that now, dude, this China thing is absolutely, I think it's scary and I think it's terrible. And I think it's uh, pointing in a very, very bad direction for our world to go in and when you know i have so many questions which is like ban poor social credit numbers to ban them from trains and planes why (laughs) like you're you're inferring that they're unsafe if they have a soul a low social credit score and man i just i think that this is like so big brother i think it's terrible and i think it's scary that a government would base like so you know what are they really in terms of the absolute number what's that being accrued from what does it mean if you have a lower number and why and look i get it like just like traditional legal system if you have if you have caused harm or murdered someone and that was proven guilty in a legal court then yes, maybe there is some restrictions on where you are at or where you can go. But this is just the worst, in my opinion. Uh, I think it's bad. So that, yeah. that's my, my simple answer. Ha- have you seen the Black Mirror episode that's related to this where you rate all your interactions with people? Yep. Yeah, yep. it's, I, it's I, so I, much like that. No, and it's like, so that episode, I could barely watch it because the whole – um, people were so concerned. Like it was just like this anxiety around this number that was following them everywhere. And so that it influenced the way that they treated or not treated people the way that, you know, basically everyone's fighting for five stars. I mean, it's just like, and if, if you score someone, you know, three stars, then they're like, ah, why? And they're pissed off. And then the, the number, it'll, you know, definitely has an effect on the, their, essentially it is their social credit number and what access to capital or money or, like, you know, seating at a restaurant, dude, this is bad. And, you know, I just, I never want a world where we are quantifying people like this and then restricting people simply because of that number. Yeah, I totally agree. So one last thing on this, I'm not sure if you've seen this yet, but Vice has a really good episode um, about some of the things that are going on in China. And what they have now is uh, public shaming for when you do like small bad acts. So, like, there's a crosswalk, and if you jaywalk, there's a camera who will take a picture yeah. of you and then put your face up on the screen and, like, publicly shame you for, for breaking the rules. Um, <laughs> and that's just, like, a crazy cultural thing that's going on. Um, I mean, that's, that's really, like, Big Brother, like, directing what the public thinks and how they act and, I mean, try to get them all to form in line, um, which is just absolutely insane. And so the, you, you talked about social credit score. 
Um, and I thought that was kind of like an interesting transition into this article that you shared. Uh, uh, I saw it on Medium by both sides. I'm not sure if you uh, if you know who this author is, Mark Suster. Um, yeah, he's, he's but, awesome. But yeah, go ahead and uh, tell us about that story. Yeah, so, you know, Mark is a VC and you know, he's an investor in LA and um, I've been reading him for quite a long time. He's at um, Upfront Ventures and they, I mean, he's one of the, you know, he's, he, he's been writing for a long time and very well followed. And he wrote an article recently that says there are no, no shortcuts. Why showing up in person is everything. And absolutely. I mean, the, the whole, the article is amazing because basically he starts it off by saying like, look, as you know, when you, okay, you just pitched a VC and had a great meeting and you, you walked out of there and you were like, dude, they're so in and they're excited. And, you know, you, you just have a great feeling and this could be like a, a customer or an investor. And then what happens in the next two to four weeks is crickets. Like you don't hear anything from them mm-hmm. and, and you send emails and no one responds. And basically he walks through what the rest of his two weeks was. And it was like, I went, you know, the next day I had, you know, four board meetings. I had a, we had to fire someone I had to do X, Y, Z the next day, you know, basically it's like, look, we're all busy. And so the fact is having persistence in showing up in person and finding ways to have another follow-up meeting, not on the phone, like in person, figuring out how to, you know, when you, when you meet in person, there is a connection and certain things that are happening that don't necessarily happen when you're doing a follow-up on the phone. And it's easy for people to be distracted on the phone and whatnot. And so he's just laying out the fact that, look, if you want to close a deal, if you want to raise money, you have to figure out how to continually show up in person, connect with that individual, and over time, build that rapport strong enough and show your progress uh, that you are growing and having progress in your company so that they will end up doing the deal. And, and if you don't get a response in a week or two from email, then understand how to do it a different way. But that's normal. Like That's basically what he's saying is, this is normal life. Get used to it and figure out a way to be persistent. Totally. And I just understood this article, I mean, in, in such a depth. I mean, you know, from, from the way that I've been selling for the last five years, like I pretty much built my entire more or less professional life about meeting in person. Um, I actually signed a new client this week. And when I was meeting, I was actually meeting with them at uh, their house because I kind of work from home. Um, and, and some of the company operates out of Spokane as well. And one of the co-founders was, was talking with me and he was like, yeah, when, when I was talking uh, to the other, other co-founder, who was like, oh, he wants to meet in person. Like, why does he want to do that? But then by the end of the meeting, they really understood like, oh, this is why you want to meet in person because like that personal connection and client service is so important. Right. And I told them and I was like, yeah. And, and one day, like, if you guys want to fire me one day, like I am setting the tone that you're going to fire me like in a respectful manner and we're going to build this relationship and it's going to go well because that face to face does so well. And when I used yeah. to when I used to do the door to door sales with notice uh, people, you know, people I was always trying to close deals through email. But ninety nine percent of the time it was when you're in someone's face and you get their direct attention, A, they're so much less likely to be distracted. 
And it's hard. I mean, you got to have some balls to reject people when you're <laughs> face to face with them. Um, yeah. invest- investors should be the people with those balls. Um, but yeah. I would not be surprised if they're not. Um, and so, yeah, you can just influence conversations so much better when you can look people in the eye and have that face to face interaction. And, and I just really love that what he says here, because even though it's talking about investors, it really applies to all levels of sales. I mean, in my personal opinion, if you can ever get face to face with the person you're trying to close, you are way more likely to close. And so I'm curious about how technology is changing this because I think it's always going to remain true. Even if we have virtual meetings uh, and Skype meetings, like just being able to be physically in the same presence makes a huge difference. Yep. Yeah. I, you just said it. And I think it's a big mistake. A lot of founders are making, which is, you know, they just try to lean on just sending the emails and, and then, you know, they don't hear back. You know, and they might just send one. It's like, well, he never got back to me or she never got back to me. Okay. Yeah. You yeah, know, you and not try hard enough. That's, that's actually no. probably what I would say from the investor standpoint is just like someone who might not have the chops to get deals done. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, because you, like persistence yeah, you, is key. And you got to know that, look, a smart investor is probably testing you from day one, which is, okay, I'll let them, let's see how they respond if I just, don't respond this time. Yeah. And are they going to be persistent and how are they going to show and create value to then get back in front of me? And you know, that, that sucks that it's a game, but that's at least a filtering process from day one. Yes. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So um, interesting. And all right. So last one, man, I, I'll, I'll let you take this and explain it. Yeah. So the last one is just something that uh, branding and marketing wise, I just think is absolutely genius. So I saw a commercial this week for 23andMe, uh, which is the genetic testing, spit in a tube uh, and find out kind of your ancestry. And they partnered with the World Cup. And I just like was blown away and immediately was like, well done, whoever made this partnership go down. Because uh, for hopefully anyone listening, you know, the United States is not participating in the World Cup this year because we did not qualify. So (laughs) when June comes around and the whole country realizes like, oh, it's the biggest one of the biggest sporting events in the world uh, kind of or over the decades uh, and the United States isn't participating. And so everyone's going to go through this, like, well, who should I root for then? And so to partner with 23 and me and say, Hey, spit in this little tube and we'll tell you who you should root for. Right. And where your ancestry is, I just think is absolutely genius and um, such a good partnership. If I hadn't already done 23 and me, maybe I'd be even more convinced to do it. Uh, But this was just kind of something I saw within the marketing and advertising space. And I was just like, very well done. Like that's a partnership that, (laughs) that deserves uh, some recognition. Yeah, I think it's it. I also I think I have two thoughts here. It is a great marketing initiative and marketing campaign, given the situation that we find ourselves in in the U.S., which is unfortunate. But um, man, I also you know not to like uh, drag in another kind of story, but they're long story short, they solved like a forty-year-old murder, or actually like a serial. Um, murder case one of the biggest serial murder cases like of all time right and they solved it not because this person gave his dna to 23andme it's because his his relatives gave you know went through and 
you know, did 23andMe or the other Ancestry.com. And the tra- they traced it back. And they basically connected th- this random person's DNA with the person that ended up, they, they found the DNA during the, um, you know, the, the case to, um, for this, like, all these murder trials. And they end up finding and prosecuting this person for a 40-year-old, 35, 40-year-old case of, of all these murders. So it brings up the point of like, oh, man, you know, like we are at, you know, privacy in terms of DNA and data. Is, is there really privacy when you do these sort of things? And so I think 23andMe, like, I, I like, I love the way that they're doing this in terms of like they're, they are using this look we all came from somewhere and take you know test it test it out find out where you came from and root for your team this year but uh there's a flip side that's a little little scary as well yeah so i take it you haven't done 23 and me so i haven't i haven't and so my girlfriend has and we're that's it's pretty cool um i haven't personally yet and look it's probably a mixture of i don't know if i'm ready to i'm not sure if i want to go there I didn't really want to spend the money and it, you know, at some point I think this will become a little more prevalent and I'll probably do it. But yeah, I'm still on the, like, I haven't done it side of the fence. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of glad right now, given the things that are coming out, but I, I'm not sure how long that's going to last. Yeah. Cause you know, all, all of those, uh, that murder history might come out. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just just kidding. It's just funny though, like, I mean, it's not funny, but it's like, it's crazy that a murder case that was unresolved could be discovered and solved based on the none of nothing that that individual actually participated in recently, but relatives. And they traced it. And it's like, it was like a 99.9% match. And then they were like, oh, what? And then they started to look around and they found that one degree separation was this individual that was already somewhat almost proven guilty. And then they're like, bam. So crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And so for any of you that are uh, listening, this killer, his, he goes by the golden state killer. Um, And he was a former, uh, not military, but I think police officer. And he committed at least 12 murders, uh, over 50 rapes and over 100 burglaries in California Crazy. from 1974 to 1986. And and what they suspect is he kind of stopped doing it because the DNA testing was just starting to break into the scene. Um, so he kind of realized, like, oh, I'm not going to be able to get away with this anymore. And then he kind of <laughs> just stopped and disappeared, uh, right? And 20, no, 30 years later, then he finally gets caught because 23 and me. It's just absolutely amazing um, what it can do. And yeah, just that partnership. We'll we'll have to do uh, World Cup starts in a month. Uh, maybe in uh, week fifteen, we'll do like a little World Cup prediction. Yeah, excited but Nick, for that. Thank you very much for uh, jumping on the call for this special Saturday, May twelfth edition of Catching Up. Uh, you got any parting words for our audience here? Oh, have have a great weekend and and happy Mother's Day, and hopefully spend some time with your family this weekend. Excellent. Thank you very much for watching. Uh, Please leave us a review and have a wonderful weekend. Peace.